Well, good morning. My name is John, and I serve as the pastor of multiplication here at Grace. And today we run three weeks deep into our sermon series entitled Family Matters. And last week, Sunday, our song, our lead pastor here at Grace, shared a message, and he talked about this one essential gift that we as parents need to give to our children. And someone who was here last week, remind me of what that is. What do we need to give, that one essential gift? A healthy marriage. That's right. It's a great gift that we need to give to our kids. Well, today we're going to continue in this series, and we are going to focus on this awesome, terrifying, and totally humbling thing called parenting. And for the bulk of this marriage, I will be, or for the bulk of this message, I will be interviewing um, parents of a family from Grace Ann Arbor. But before we do that, what I would like you to do is, is to stand up, and I want us to read this passage aloud from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as we read this, I want us to read it as a charge to each other. And parents, I want you specifically to receive these words as a charge to you. And so let's read this passage out loud together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You may be seated. Well, there's one central truth this morning that we want to be planted and rooted deeply in your hearts and on your minds. And that is that God has called and positioned parents to be the, uh, to play the primary role in the character development and the spiritual formation of your children. And you see in this passage here, right there, it says in verse 7, impress these commandments, these instructions of the Lord on your children. And it says, talk about them while you're sitting at home, while you're traveling along the road, before you go to bed at night and first thing in the morning. And, and, and mark your door frames of your homes and your gates. In other words, do whatever you need to do to make sure that you do not forget these instructions from the Lord and that they become foundational in your children's life. And one thing we find that's true in this passage is this cannot be abdicated to someone else. This is important for you as, as parents, the discipleship of your kids. As Grace Ann Arbor, I mean, we have a great children's ministry team of volunteers and we want to come alongside you and support and encourage you forward in that discipleship journey. And we want, our children's ministry works hard to provide the best hour that we can provide in your child's life when they come here. But it's just one hour. And God charges you, parents, with the responsibility of discipling your children, and, and we want to encourage you forward in that way. And so I'd like to ask Nate and Amy Kimball to please come forward. Yeah. <laughs> Nate serves as our executive pastor here at Grace, and Amy has just been newly appointed as an elder. And uh, 
We have a picture, I think, that we want to show you of their family. They've got four children, uh, Gabe and Eva and Levi and Lucy, aging from almost, 17, almost 18 years old, graduating this year, down to 10 years of age. And so I just want to ask you the first question is, how do you feel about being the trophy case parents this morning, speaking about parenting? Yeah, it's terrifying and, and humbling. And by the way, you might not know that Amy wouldn't let me wear my uniform for our family photo, but that is me in the gray shirt. Um, just, I know it's confusing, but she drew the line. Uh, it's, it's terrifying and it's humbling. And I mean, the reason is that some of our greatest um, uh, victories and some of our deepest regrets tie to our parenting. Um, I'll just, I'm going to, I'm going to share the story of what's really my single greatest regret to date, um, in my life, which is that, uh, in the early 2000s, I, um, I worked as a stockbroker and, uh, and I, the, the, the norm was to work 70, 80, 90 hours a week, every week. And I did that for years in the midst of that, um, my daughter, who was 14 months at the time, got really, really sick and went into the hospital. And, uh, and that first night, Amy was eight months pregnant at the time, so she went home. Uh, and I, I sat there with my daughter on my lap, and she cried for the entire night for her mother. And I was just struck by the fact that here is my daughter. She's sitting on my lap, and she finds no comfort in me as a father at all. Uh, because I had either been working or when I was home, I was a- absolutely um, just zoned out and exhausted and burned out. And, uh, and that, that remains the greatest regret of my life. And so when she got better, we, we made some significant changes in our lives. But the, the hard reality is that it took me five to seven years to fully extricate myself from the financial world. And so I, I share that story to say that, like, the waters are muddy, and we were doing some things really well, and some things just, the fact that I stayed in that job for so many years after I saw the effects on my daughter is heartbreaking to me, to remember. Um, so we were doing some things really well and some things really horribly at the exact same time. And so my hope isn't that we would, you would see us as the perfect models for parents. Trust me, we're not, and you won't. Uh, but hopefully we can pull some some clear um, concepts out of our story that would, be, that would be helpful. So speaking of your story, can you share with us just how um, your parenting has been influenced by some key relationships, some key people, and life experiences? Yeah. Um, when we, before we were, had kids, when we were um, young and married, we traveled, and we got to do some missions work overseas. And when we were in Guatemala, we stayed at an orphanage for three months where we just saw kids um, that had, uh, they were raised in families and they, they knew who they were because they were contributing and the families made ways for them to contribute significantly within those families that gave them identity, it gave them worth. When we were lived in Zimbabwe for a number of months, uh, we saw parenting as communities and those were things we had not seen in our um, American cultural experience and we loved what we saw and so we gained we gleaned from that we also gleaned from a couple here in the states that um that took us under their wing and mentored us significantly i think so especially talking about this this family um that 
that mentored us in parenting in a lot of ways. I think the thing that we saw with them most clearly was really that discipleship can serve as a framework for parenting. Um, so we live on a farm and we raise pigs. I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. And I, I think our language influences um, our behavior. And so sometimes when we use the, the phrase raising kids, like when I'm raising pigs, all I really want is for them to get bigger and stay healthy. Like that's kind of the bar. And, uh, and I, I think that when we talk about raising kids, we want to do much more than simply see them get bigger and healthier, although that's part of it. Um, so, we, so I try to, to, to charge myself to think more proactively that I'm discipling my kids, not raising them, because it, it influences the way that I'm going to, to act towards them. And so we have a, a couple, as we talk, Amy and I talked about this quite a bit over the past couple weeks, and we just have a couple things that we feel like we, principles that we have based our concept of discipling as parents on, and so I just want to share them really quick. Um, the first is that in parenting, what you do matters. Um, it's, it's actually our job to disciple our kids. The second thing is that in parenting, who you are matters, and you can't actually disciple your kids in areas where you are not yourself willing to be a disciple. And then the third thing that we have landed on is that sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Uh, but the beauty of it is that God has stayed faithful, and we've seen that in our kids' lives and in our lives as well. And so if, if what you do really matters in parenting and discipling of your children, how early does this discipleship start with your children, and, and what form and, and shape does it take? Um, my, my mentor spoke to me a lot about that. Prior to having kids, I thought a lot about that. She kind of presented two different ways of looking at raising your kids or discipling them. One was sort of this idea of discipline, which is fairly common, and that's the idea that you're, you know, you're going to let your kids kind of be who they are and do what they do, and then when they go astray, you're going to try to pull them back onto the, onto the right road. She presented me with a whole different way of looking at that, and she kind of had this idea of training as opposed to discipline, and training is, is positive and it's proactive. It's, it's like living your life alongside your child, bringing them alongside you in everything that you're doing in terms of, um, in terms of, of attitude, in terms of, of love, and, and not just behaviors, but attitudes. And, um, and the, the idea kind of behind that is, is like we are, we are Christ to our children. They can't see Christ. We are Christ's hands and feet to our kids. We are the ones that they see as Christ. And so we're, when we're discipling them, they're seeing Christ in us, and that's their only way of, of knowing Christ. So it's just a much bigger job than, um, than just disciplining when they go off track. And I, I think the other thing that, that plays into that is that you, you find yourself— um, training or discipling attitudes and, and not merely behaviors. Um, you know, as a young parent, I often wondered if I was somehow being disingenuous to be asking my children to train their attitudes, not just their behaviors. You know, is asking my child to be cheerful right now, is that somehow unfair um, because that's not how they feel? Uh, but the more that I thought about it, the more I realized that we are called to control our attitudes, to manage our attitudes for the rest of our lives. Um, you know, you can't, if you're, in a, if you're doing a group project 
and it's not going well, you can't just throw your textbook and leave the library. Or if your boss asks you to do an aspect of your job that you don't like, or if you're fighting with a coworker, you can't just, you know, like knock over your computer. Um, we are going to be called to control our attitudes for the rest of our lives. And, and what I wanted was for my children to learn that attitude control in, a, in an area, in a context, where the consequences were up to me, where it was essentially safe for them to learn how to do that because they're going to be required to do that for the rest of their lives, in all honesty. So give us an example of, in your home of how you've trained one of your children's attitude. Well, starting when they were really little, um, like we tried to look at our values as a family and then think about like what, how to incorporate the kids into those values that we had. One value that we have is hospitality, which we take really seriously. We normally have people live with us and, um, and always have people over. And so one of the things that we wanted was when our kids were little, I'm sure you've seen it, where you, you know, someone says, say hi to so-and-so, and your kid hides behind you and, you know, lays down on the floor and the opposite of what you're hoping for and and so that's that's common but we thought how could we how could we proactively help our oldest Gabe at the time how do we help him like become a person of hospitality and so we we tried proactively we had our friend come over and we said you know you can you just be can you just help us with this he's he's really scared of talking to people which if you know Gabe now would make you laugh, but he, he, can you help us? And so she would come over and she, we, she, we said, can you walk in the door like 47 times? And we're gonna teach him how to look at somebody in the eye and say, and say hi, oh, hi Aunt Rebecca. And, um, and she did that with us. She was part of our community and part of helping us proactively think of ways to train. But the point is that you are discipling them all the time, but sometimes you need to create an environment where you can disciple them like not in the moment, like, the moment of discipleship can be sometimes exactly when, when it's happening, but in this, in this thinking, it's like, let's create a scenario where we can teach them something we want them to learn, not in a party where we're stressed out and they're not responding the way we wish they would. And so in, in this discipleship, you know, there's the early training of attitude, and then as your ch children grow older, um, parenting has to shift, I, I believe. And can you share a little bit of how you've shifted your parenting, uh, the focus of your parenting as your children have grown? Yeah, I think as our kids have gotten older, um, and we we shift the the mindset of discipleship to, to um, eventually to being a coach in some ways. Um, but in order for that to work, uh, there needs to be a high level of trust. So when we're when we're parenting our kids now that they're older, even though we'll, we'll try to um, focus on the specific situation or the specific attitude, the undercurrent of all of it is always trust uh, because you need to it, you need to trust a coach you know um, and that is a that's a, a a relationship that will be able to continue as they as they enter adulthood um, a, a specific example um, is that uh, my oldest son had a cell phone and the rules around his cell phone use were really clear and one time we found him breaking the rules he was texting after his curfew um, and, uh, and there were a couple different ways that we could go with that. But uh, I, I invited him out to the wood pile. And we chop wood quite a bit because uh, we heat some of our buildings with wood. And, uh, and so we were out there just splitting wood together. And we started to talk about what, like, what had happened. And, and the, the verse that, that 
I was able to talk to him about is found in Luke where Jesus says, you know, he who can be trusted with little things will be, will be trusted with, with much bigger things. And he's who, he, if someone's dishonest with little things, they're going to be dishonest with big things as well. So it, was, it, it created a framework where we could talk about being trustworthy and, and establishing the relationship of trust between us. There were still consequences because he had broken the rules, but really, I would say 90% of the conversation was around the issue of trust um, instead of just the, the discipline mentality, which is you've broken the rules, here's the consequence, get, bad on, get back on the path. And so what, what we do um, to, to disciple our kids really, really matters. And, 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 and one insight just I want to share as you talk about 47 times uh, practicing changing of attitude is just this insight that, you know, we need to have parents fight for God's best for our children. And it can be exhausting, but just recognize that it's worth the fight to fight for God's best for our kids. So what you do to disciple your kids matters, but who you are also matters greatly as parents. And, and I'd just like to ask you, you've, you've often said, um, as we've talked about this, that we can't parent beyond our own discipleship or beyond the limits of our own character as a follower of Jesus. And so how have you been confronted by your own limits in your own discipleship as parents? Yeah, uh, a real relevant example that, that, um, that I can think of was we were not happy with the way that our kids were engaging with technology. Um, every time they were bored, they were asking, hey, can we watch a movie or can we play a game on the computer? Um, in the midst of this conversation, I went on a, on a personal retreat. I went on a silent retreat uh, for seven days, and I was in a cabin in the woods. Uh, like, I didn't even have a cell signal. Uh, and while I was away, um, there's nothing like seven days of solitude to reflect on yourself. <laughs> And I was able to see clearly my own relationship with technology. And that in our home, I was and, and Amy was, we were the ones setting the pace for our kids' technology usage. And that after dinner, uh, Amy would open her laptop to work, and I would often work after dinner or else um, use uh, technology or screens just, just to relax, to watch a movie or whatever. But that's kind of, that was our go-to. And so my kids were observing that Every time dad sat down, it was in front of a screen. Um, and so we were the ones that were causing the, the actual behavior that was so frustrating to us. So we instituted a technology curfew. Um, at 6 p.m., all screens go off, and they don't turn back on again until 9 in the morning. Which wasn't just for them. It was for us, really. I, I mean, and that's, that's the truth of it. Like, it's much harder for me to keep that than it is for my kids to keep that, to be honest. And now they're at a point where if they see me, like, open my phone, they'll be like, Dad, technology curfew. Um, but, uh, but that's the reality, that, that we had to put that in place for ourselves, and then we saw it flow into the lives of our kids. Uh, the other thing I think that for discipling yourself is that you need a support system to be um, a parent. This support system has to be a larger support system than just your spouse. It has to be people, there has to be people coming around you because it's not a job that can be done alone. And that, that in terms of your own discipleship requires a humility and a vulnerability to say, I am, um, I am not, I'm not able to do this by myself. And so just recently there was an issue with one of my teenage daughters where I felt like this is putting strain on our relationship and I need some help. And so I came to another woman in the church and I just said, hey, this is kind of weird, but do you, um, can you help me? Can you help me with this 
issue? Can you provide some accountability? Because it's, it's putting strain on my relationship with my daughter. Can you help me parent? And she has. She's, she's checking in with her weekly in a really positive way. And, it's, um, and it's, it's provided help for me and for her. I think the beauty of this for me is, is, that, is that really there's never a point where you can't help someone parent. You can't, um, there's never a point where you can't help disciple kids because you have the opportunity either to be working on yourself in order to make you a better parent for your kids or for the kids that you might have, or you can put yourself in the position of support and, and help parents be successful uh, with their kids. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I, that's something that everyone in this room can do and be a part of. So as we walk this out, we're talking about what you do as parents really matters. And who you are as a person and as a disciple matters greatly. But you know, sometimes we work hard on ourselves. We work hard to parent our kids well. And it seems like no matter what we try and how hard we work, um, it, it feels like nothing is working. And, and it's really easy as a, as a parent, at least at some time in, that, in your parenting life, to feel like a total failure. And so, Nate and Amy, what would you say to a parent who may be feeling that way this morning? It, it feels like that's like a really, that's like the key of all of this is that there's some things where we have, we have so much impact on our kids. Clearly we do. But the flip side of that is that God is so faithful to us because we fail we're broken and we do fail. And there, uh, we've definitely had those moments of feeling helpless. Uh, I particularly rem remember when one of my kids um, was young, preschooler, he had a temper, he, was, he could destroy a room. I mean, he was hard for me to connect with and reach. And this was after raising two kids that I felt like, I, I kind of get this, it's going okay. And so I, I, didn't know how to, I didn't know how to reach him and I, I was at my end. I was at the end of my abilities. I was, um, I was broken and crying and calling Nate every day at work and just didn't know how to, how to manage that. And the, the beauty of that is that God was faithful. He was faithful to me in what was really difficult, and he was faithful to my son. And that's the part that sometimes we forget as parents, that God is also going to be faithful to your kids, not just to you. He's going to be faithful to them. He was faithful to him. I love the young man he has become. And, um, and God, God was faithful despite our failures in parenting. I think, um, I think what I've personally encountered is that, is that sometimes I need God to be faithful because I am at the end of my own character and my own abilities. Um, I am an impatient perfectionist, which is like like the perfect storm when you're parenting, young kids especially, right? I, I, am, I am often a lot sharper with my kids than I want to be. And my uh, response is that I apologize to my kids all the time. I mean, I really do. And that apology, I'm, I'm, listen, I've, I've, I've heard these apologies come out of my mouth so many times where I say, hey, I'm really sorry that I snapped at you, but if you would only... Has anybody heard that apology? That's not an apology, <laughs> right? Like that's, like that's placing blame on my kids. And so what I've tried to do is own my own stuff. And I, my apologies sound a lot like this. Listen, I know that I yelled at you today, and I know that I yelled at you yesterday, and I know that I yelled at you the day before. God is working on me, and I am trying to get better. Will you please, will you please forgive me, and will you please give me grace? as God and I are in process with this. And, and here's the thing. 
I, I believe that, that doing that allows God to be faithful. As I become more patient, which I am, my kids see that as God being faithful to me. And, and it also allows them to begin to trust him more. That if we ask for something and if we remain transparent and if we ask for forgiveness, transformation can actually happen. I, and I just think that's huge. I and mean, we live in a society where everyone's blaming everyone else. And how are our children going to learn how to own their mistakes and to ask for forgiveness and to receive God's grace if we, they aren't learning it from their parents? And, and it's so important, discipleship, through our failures of how to fail well and how to fail in God's grace. Yeah, I, um, I, I think that that's like the good news. That's like the gospel in parenting, that, that we, are, it's not all on us, that God is faithful to us, that he's faithful to them, and that there are things that are outside of our control entirely. You may have a child with a medical issue or an emotional issue that you cannot control. And I have a son that has a liver disease, and I would give anything in the world to, to heal that and to take that away from him. But sometimes God is asking us to trust him with the things we cannot control, and parenting is the way that he is, um, that he is doing that in our lives and in their lives. Well, as we wrap things up here this morning, one final insight or, or thought that you might each want to share with us? Yeah, um, like Amy said, when we were first considering becoming parents, we talked to a lot of people. Um, and there was one couple that we spoke with. We had seen them raise six kids uh, towards adulthood, all who loved and served Jesus. And so we invited them out to breakfast um, and just said, hey, we're thinking of starting a family. Do you have any advice for us? And the, the wife said something that, that I have never forgotten. And she said, listen, if you learn to love each other well, there is no greater testimony to the truth of the gospel. The world will, will stand up and take notice because the world does not know how to love well. And if you do it as a family, the world will stop in their tracks. A couple of years later, we had a couple kids, and we were at a friend's house for a barbecue. Um, after we left, and we were at this person's house fairly regularly. After we left, uh, the, the wife called us, and she said, hey, um, I just had a conversation with my neighbor. She came over after you guys left tonight, and she said, you know, every time that you have the Kimballs over, um, uh, I go up into my bedroom, and I watch them out my window from behind the curtain because I've never seen a family that enjoys each other like the Kimballs do. And I'm not saying that, to, I'm not saying that um, to, because it's not us, right? What she was seeing was that we were demonstrating the love of God to one another. And she literally stopped what she was doing and would go up to, to watch it because she, she had never seen, she'd never seen uh, that kind of love before. And that's, and that's God working through us. That's literally her standing up and taking notice of what God is doing. Um, I think I would say just to, my closing thought would be to continue to seek, um, to seek help in terms of parenting in a community, to seek mentoring, to seek the discipleship that you need, whether or not you have kids, because someday you may have kids, just to seek the help that you need and to not do it alone. Um, and that, um, and that's what this is for. Like, if we can't be honest with each other here in this faith community and tell each other what we need and, and love each other and take care of each other, then what are we doing? 
So um, as part of that today, during the last song, we would love, we'll be in back, and, um, and we have other couples that will be in back, and you can come back for prayer. If you need prayer about anything regarding parenting, please come and just share with us what's going on and let us pray with you. And beyond today, seek, seek the help and the mentoring and the discipleship that you need. Well, Nate and Amy, I just want to say thank you. I am so grateful for the two of you and for your willingness to open up your lives authentically and to be vulnerable with us this morning in your parenting. Can we express our appreciation to them? And, and I, just, I just want to share two quick things. As, uh, before, I'm going to ask Amy if she would just pray for us this morning to close out the message. But two quick things. Um, first, we have, for any of you who are parents, we have resource booklets available for you right out by the children's area in the hallway there. And what it is is a book for every phase, whether it's a new baby all the way through graduation, that will help resource you in the discipleship of your children. Now, I have one of these booklets in my hands here. It says, for the new baby phase, the phase when nobody sleeps, everybody smells, and one mesmerizing baby convinces you, I need you now. And so I just want to encourage you, anyone with children, to, to grab the age-specific resource uh, booklets as you leave this morning. And then secondly, as Amy and Nate have opened their lives up to us, and we reflected on Deuteronomy chapter 6, what is God saying to you this morning? How does the Holy Spirit want you to respond to God's truth this morning as it relates maybe to your character or to your parenting? What does God want you to do about how you parent or about who you are? Or maybe just to receive um, the encouragement from our faithful God this morning. Will you come now, Amy, and pray for us? Let's stand together and receive prayer. Father, break us free from the lie that we cannot impact our children. And also, at the same time, break us free that it is entirely up to us to impact our children. Because we know that you are with us, that they are your children, and that you are faithful. God, we are broken people. And some days we just put our faces in our hands because we cannot bear our own failures as parents, our own critical hearts, our own impatience, our harsh words. So we just humbly ask that you would make us purposeful and sacrificial in loving one another and so that the world would stop and take notice. And we ask this to glorify you in your name. Amen.